It's Reese Parkinson here and welcome to How I Got Here. I'm excited for this. It's Westfield's new podcast series, exploring unique and inspirational careers. Over the course of eight episodes, I'll be speaking to some amazing entrepreneurs and business owners. So join us as we hear from the people behind the brand. David Cooper is co-founder of Gymbox, one of the coolest gyms around taking exercise classes to a whole new level. Gymbox is one of the original boutique gym concepts in the UK, launching their first club in Holborn, London in 2003. In this episode, we're going to find out how Gymbox started and how it's evolved over the last 17 years. Welcome to the How I Got Here podcast. We have David Cooper, co-founder of Gymbox. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Happy to be here. I didn't think you was going to come to the show with your shirt off, showing off your six pack. But um, David, thank you, bro. It's all about tops off. It's always <laughs> has been, to be fair. <laughs> I'm joking. There's a shirt on. Um, but Gymbox, where your co-founder, you've absolutely smashed it. It's an awesome um, place for fitness and the classes you do is just you've kind of taken it to a different level. So first question for you really is, how did you come up with that idea to make it so different from what kind of the gym experiences has been? Uh, I, I, I'd love to take a huge amount of credit for this, but I can't. I mean, obviously, it was two of us, but actually the original guy, Richard Hilton, um, he's an ex-ad man, uh, worked in New York for many years. It was him who came up with the concept, etc. cetera. Um, and when he came back to the UK, um, he, well, actually, he was in New York going to this brand over there, which was called Crunch Fitness. Now, it's changed a lot now, but certainly back in the day, it was this kind of irreverent brand that did things very, very differently. You know, they had kind of drag queens teaching classes and professional boxers, etc. And he went to that. He loved it. Coming back to the UK, he didn't see anything like that. Most of the gyms at that stage were quite vanilla products, that sort of white walls, shiny floors, classical music in the changing rooms. <laughs> so I think he saw a, a business idea here saying, well, why can't we do something like this? You can't copy the American idea because ultimately that was a bit, without offending anyone, it was a bit high five in American, et cetera. Right. Um, so could he take that concept and put a British spin on it? And I knew Richard because um, I was working in the gym industry at the time and he was going to one of the gyms that I used to run. And he started talking to me about this concept and sort of said, look, I've got this great idea, et cetera, et cetera. I think the only issue that he had, he, he didn't have that kind of experience in running clubs and how to manage them and setting them up. Obviously, he's an ad man. And he came up with the idea and the concept and the brand, et cetera, et cetera. So he started talking to me about that and uh, we kind of just sort of shared ideas for a long time. And his concept really was, um, you know, if you look at any gym sort of industry or any sort of gym chain is the majority of that audience uh, was majority, we said, between 18 and 35. And I think it's still very much like that. I think if you go to any of the brands now or any of the chains now, majority of the people exercising are between that kind of age bracket. So his view is, can you create a brand of gyms that appeals to the majority of that market? And, you know, that was by coming up with a cooler sort of concept, you know, a lot of unique sort of things that you just don't see you do, you know, um, and that was where the idea or the nucleus of the idea came from. And then getting me involved at that stage was really the bits that he didn't like doing, right. <laughs> to be honest, which was the management and actually running it. Yeah. And, yeah. Actually running it. and I think look, over the years, as you work together, I think some of the job roles kind of merged in bits and pieces, but that's initially how it started off. 
Yeah, well, I think you kind of need both of you two's minds to come together on that. You, It seems like you do more of the practical day-to-day stuff as in coming from a gym and running that yourself. Whereas him, I'd assume he's more of the creative in a sense. Is exactly that, that. Side? Yeah, I think that was it. And I think that thing is when you're involved with that or you're around those kind of individuals I think you become more creative as the years went by and I think that that's why some of those roles kind of merge but you know my background you know was a lot of fitness related and what we wanted to make sure is you know there was always a fun element to gym box it was supposed to be making you know sweating entertaining but my point as well was just to make sure that you were credible as well so it was to mix that entertainment with the credibility as well otherwise it became a bit smoke and mirrors and, you know, you just right. didn't want people to think it was a joke. You wanted to think it was fun, but at the end, you wanted to make sure it was core exercise as well. Well, that's got to probably be, the, in a sense, quite a hard part for you because if I was to ask you to explain what gym box is now for people that might not have even gone to the gym or do go to the gym, how would you say that making it different than other gyms but without, like you said, making it seem like it's it's a bit too wacky maybe well i think that is i think look certainly you know over the period when we launched in 2003 i think things have changed and attitudes have changed and the markets are much more educated now but i still think the brand essence still rings very very true and that is creating things that make you sweat and make you smile so you know there is a fun element there is a fun tone of voice the tone of voice has certainly not changed throughout all the years that we've been doing this and, you know, what we did is when we started this, we went out and we had took a long time trying to find the right kind of architects and designers to create the spaces. So it's about finding unique spaces. And then we worked with this famous nightclub designer originally. Um, obviously, you know, many of the people watching this may, you know, or listening to this may not know, but it was Ben Kelly designed the Hacienda nightclub in Manchester wow. who designed Gymbox, which was... So it had an iconic. Like it was an iconic. Yeah. And you could see that when our first club, Holborn, when it opened, it very you could see the bits of hacienda in there so automatically you felt you were in a different space we had live djs the musics weren't background music it was curated by djs so the music was you know it was the right kind of music for our audience played at those kind of levels and the classes were just totally unique to anything you've seen before so we worked with some really clever people sort of you know um, coaches and trainers and sort of marketing guys as well to come up with unique classes that you'd never seen before that were as good if not better than what was out there but there was fun it was different it was unique so people were coming to us because they were bored of the same old sort of routine yeah well you saying even mixing sweat with a smile that never happens for most we hate going to the gym <laughs> do you know what I mean or go for a run like I run a lot and I hate running ironically and I think that's what it is it was going to the gym because you want to not be going to the gym because you had to I think that was trying to change that slight concept well do you then for it's a real entrepreneurial spirit there and for a lot of our listeners say the younger listeners that want to be entrepreneurs the hardest part I feel is finding the gap in the market did you and your co-founder specifically know you was looking for a gap or the gap just appeared when he happened to go to a gym and this is what he saw and then he was like ah there's the moment no I, I think definitely look I mean you know he was there probably I you know I can't remember what he said but he was there for eight to ten years etc you know and I think at those days the US market was, was sort of like far advanced than the UK market I wouldn't say that anymore um, so I think coming back here, he definitely saw the gap in the market sort of saying, because, you know, he, he was a gym goer. He loved going to the gym. He looked at all the choices out there. Like I said, they were all these products that just very much, you know, if you just changed the name above the top, they were all virtually the same thing. So very much he did see that there was a gap in the market for that. And, you know, from my experience, you know, I used to go to the spit and sawdust kind of club just because of the sports that I used to do. And, 
the atmospheres were totally different. You know, they were all sort of community-led atmospheres. People, everyone knew each other. You know, they just didn't leave because they'd built up that kind of community. And gyms didn't have that. So that's where we thought the gap in the market was. And like I said, there was nothing appealing to what the majority of the audience was. So that was the gap. Can you create that brand? And for you, how did you get into the fitness world then? Because what we usually see is you start off as a personal trainer. That's every We see everyone on Instagram as a PT. That kind of seems the way to even owning your gyms. Did you start as a PT? No, I didn't. I never took the PT route, so I never got qualified as a personal trainer or anything like that. I just did a number of jobs really to fit around my fitness. I was really into sort of fitness at the time. I was boxing at the time. Um, you know, and I think I had illusions of trying to be the next you sort of best boxer, which got shattered very, very quickly. Did so, you do amateur boxing? Did you have a fight? So yeah, yeah, I did amateur boxing and things like that. So okay. you know, so and your I, record. Uh, we won't go into that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> did you fight anyone that we might know no, no, that no, went no, on no. to? Okay. No, I used to spar with a lot of the pros that were names and things like that. Oh, but awesome. I just was not that level. And I think that you know, obviously, sport was something I really interested in. And I got an opportunity. I was doing kickboxing at the time, and I got to fight for a world title backing. Wow. Ooh, 95 now and one of the companies that sponsored me was a gym chain and when I finished kind of um, I went into boxing after that and when I finished that I then applied to work with that company but more from the management side of things um, I know I didn't want to go into the personal training route so I wanted to go into that management route and they gave me an opportunity then to go in into that route um, so I then worked my way up in that company going through um, sort of all the management routes up to running your own clubs and then up to running sort of clusters of clubs and that was yeah. my route. What are those routes then? So you just applied for, what was that kind of role? Well, I think at those times, I mean, look, you know, it's like any business, you know, so there's a head office to uh, any sort of uh, fitness chain. But then there's also the, obviously, the member facing side of things. The member facing side of things, look, it's a business, you have to make sales. So there are people who are interested in doing that sales commission led sort of roles. There are, of course, you know, all the fitness related roles, which you've talked about personal training. But then there's the management routes of those people because personal trainers have to be managed and they have to have weekly meetings. So there's roles into that kind of management. There's the group fitness or the sort of group X classes, the studios, you know, that takes a lot of um, sort of running. So, yes, you can just be an instructor and teach classes, but you have to manage all those timetables. Then you have all the sort of the payroll sort of things that go with that side of things. There's receptions, there's management, heads of departments, there's maintenance teams. And you know, a so gym box, that's similar. Similar, exactly. you have to have, yeah, all those different elements now, you know, to certain different grades. You know, I think, you know, some chains will have a lot more of that. Some people will have less. And then you have the real kind of now the sort of the budget chains, which try and do it as stripped down as you possibly can. Um, and then you work into head office and it's like any other head office, you know, you need accountants and financial controllers and administrators and all of those different elements at head office. So there's lots of different roles within, it's a business, so it's a lot yeah. of, it's lots of different roles in that. So David, you mentioned you worked for um, the, the company that you're working for in different management positions. Then how did you then go to Gymbox? So obviously Richard, who obviously, like I said, he was coming up with this business idea, was, was actually working out in one of these gyms that I was, was managing. And um, an unusual character would probably walk around wearing a weight training belt, even though he was doing sit-ups and et cetera. So, you know, he was easy to talk to. So we got talking <laughs> and, you know, I think we got friendly over a period of time. And I think then he started to open up and sort of call me originally over a couple of months, sort of saying, I've got this great idea. Nothing else. A couple of months later, I've got this great idea. And eventually we sat down and he started talking about this idea, which... He just got the right individual because at the end of the day, what he was saying just completely sort of um, resonated with myself. So we started sort of saying, this is excellent. This is, we started obviously expanding on the idea. 
At that point, I then left that brand. I was headhunted by a company in Scandinavia to go over. Um, so I went over then to Sweden, worked across the whole of Sweden, uh, really more sort of consulting sort of fitness industry. Again, that uh, I think it was a few years behind the UK, so it was quite easy to go over there and consult. Myself and Richard continued to talk about, obviously, the brand and you know where it was going to go, how it was going to get set up, et cetera. Um, and then it got to a stage where um, Richard managed to find the funding for the brand, and someone took a risk on us with a property. Um, and it was at that stage he then called me and said, right, it's now time to come back. We are, this thing is actually now going to, uh, it's now going to fly. So it was at that point then I decided then to leave, obviously, Sweden, come back to the UK. And that's when we then managed to sign the lease on the first property and start, obviously, with the launch of Jimbox. Did you have like um, a lot of fear? leaving Sweden I'm sure you kind of move from the UK to Sweden and then settle in there and then you're like I'm I'm going out on my own here did you feel any kind of sense yeah of I mean look I don't you know none of us both of us didn't come from any money we didn't really have any security at all what we just felt is that I think we both had a belief that the brand could really really work you know um so yes of course there's always going to be fear i mean that's why you know if you ask me about the proudest moment i think is obviously the launch of the first site because of course you have a fear of you think it's going to be great you hope that the rest of london feels it's going to be great as well but i think it's you've got to have a confidence you've got to stick at it i think these opportunities when they come around you've really got to take them with both hands and i think that was i would rather have done it and not worked and still said I did it rather than just saying being too scared and walking away from it. So, you know, hindsight's always a good thing and I can look back now. But I think that, yeah, there was fear, but there was also a huge amount of confidence. And I think I stuck to behind the confidence more than the fear. And then fast forward into Gymbox, then I guess now, obviously, the way just technology in the world's gone, these roles have transformed into online roles. And we literally spoke about how, um, before we started this, about how a lot of the PT world's now online. And nutrition has become a huge part of the business as well. Again, I'm assuming online. So in Gymbox, is there kind of two elements to the business now? The online brand and the one you actually go into and, and work out. Yeah, definitely. I think you know, over the last few years, and I think it's even more been highlighted now through the lockdown because how do you communicate to all your members unless you have a digital channel? So we look at it in terms of a physical and a digital channel. Physical being obviously the clubs and what you physically do, and then the online channel. So yes, we have you know we have a separate now platform, which is you know a fitness related platform online. Uh, we call it out the box um, and you know so you know members can subscribe to um, additional content which they can do from their own homes and you know like i said with personal trainers it's about programming as well so a lot of people now search out these online programs so most personal trainers will have some form of digital element to their arm where people can subscribe and they don't need to see that personal trainer one-to-one -one basis but they get sort of like programmed uh, workouts to follow uh, through their online channels. Does that kind of sound just crazy to you now, having started in a business where it's all about kind of being in there and getting as many numbers as we can in there now, and now it's kind of selling products online and maybe not, I'm sure people have signed up that you may have not even met in the gym since lockdown. Funny enough, I think we always thought about it because I think when the brand started to get popular, we thought about how can, you know, we're only London based. So how can you take all of these innovative classes around? So, but these are the days when you're thinking about DVDs and things like that. So it is a way of us saying is, okay, providing we can do things differently and make the online content unique, how do we then get that out there? 
because there's so many people out there who have either been members with us over the last sort of 16 years who want to continually stay in touch with the brand and stay fit, but also all those new audience that may have heard of Gymbox that may live in Scotland or abroad, et cetera. So I think it's an element, I'm not, you know, it doesn't sort of scare me in any way. I just think it's just another arm that we need to get right. I think what we have to think about is as a brand that's always done things differently, how do we then do that online content differently, you know? Is it, you know, because you can teach a class and you can make it look in a different environment, but, you know, after a while, is that going to keep someone there? And I think that that's what the ground that we want to explore more, you know, does it require tech? Does it require something to make it a very unique product for you to want to come and stay there as well? Yeah, well, I guess that's kind of how you've, that is Jimbox essentially though, isn't it? Like you mentioned, you've built a culture, so they do want to keep coming back. Yeah. So going forward, like, as you mentioned, the way that fitness is innovating, especially right now with everything with everything going on, uh, we've seen brands like Peloton and like Amazon recently uh, launching their own platforms. So do you feel like Gymbox would be a part of someone's house now? Is that where you plan to take it? Because I know Peloton's got its own kind of online community as well. A lot of people now are starting to do... There used to be a time, I think, where people were just loyal to that one club. They are sort of mixing a lot of things now. So they don't just necessarily go to one club to do all their exercise. I think they do a mixture of lots of different things. I do think they do things at home. I do think they do things in a gym. I think they may go to some other things as well. Certainly a lot of things that are outside, let alone indoors as well. Um, So I think it's a mixture of everything. Um, But where I think the physical clubs still, there's still always going to be spaces for that community-led aspect and what Gymbox always tried to do was create clubs within clubs we're almost like the original boutique because Mm. you know when we created say boxing for instance it was about don't just do boxer size in a studio you know create a proper boxing area boxing rings gloves you know bring in boxing clubs to run it properly so they built their own community same with say you know CrossFit for instance you saw the rise of CrossFit so we then introduced that into that became a club and then you know, we have, you know, all these different styles of classes that go on, which are their own communities. And I think that really benefited by that physical space and getting together and doing things and having those experiences. But when they go home and they want to work on other aspects or they just can't get into the clubs at the weekend, there is always going to be room now for these digital channels, etc. So it has to be a bit of both now. Yeah, it sounds like you're always keeping up with what's next and staying current and seeing the market and where it's going. So do you both kind of sit down and have these meetings or do you hire different people in to know where that's going or you just you two just figure it out yourselves no i think look the original idea is when it came to classes um which was the original way that we made ourselves different and probably still does is because you know equipment is equipment you know classes is what can make you really really different so i think we have now a collective team of people of creatives exercisers that sit down on a regular basis and talk about and look at things and trends and all these kind of things and how can we put spins on things so that that's a regular thing that's always been part of gym box we also have these strategy days now where you bring in you know um, external people to start to look at that strategy for gym box what is the next strategy you know is it you know is it a uk rollout is it an international rollout is there a digital strategy what is that digital strategy um, so it's a combination. It is a lot of clever eternal people that we've sourced and employed, but it's also you know, going out there and looking at externals who can really add some sort of benefit to what we're doing. Yeah. And say like the the younger version of yourself who 
you know, is starting right now in this climate, loves fitness um, and wants to have a career in fitness, what would you do if you was starting now? Would you do the same route you did in terms of go for more of a, uh, into a head office of a gym brand? Or would you create your own kind of brand in a sense? There's two very, well, certainly in my experience, there's two very distinct people who come into the fitness industry. You get the one that comes in that is very fitness focused and just wants to go that fitness route. And I think there is that. And I think, you know, I think that social media plays a huge part and everyone wants to be an Instagram star now as well. So, you know, there's that route that a lot of fitness people are going into at the moment is not just about becoming a personal trainer, but it's about growing their online following creating something unique that they can run their own business that way and then you have the other side that want to go into managing etc maybe they have the goal of running their own business and they come on board they learn the ropes which i think is quite a nice way to do it so we've had a lot of people who've come on board with us gone through that management route have now gone on to run their own successful elements and that can be anything because i think you can apply what you learn at Gymbox to a lot of businesses as well so we've had people open up their own really clever sort of coffee concepts and all that kind of stuff to just learn that management route so it depends where your head is i think that right. you know if you are saying that you want to you know, you see yourself as running your own physical space, then I would recommend that you probably find someone and learn that sort of, all that thing of managing people, all that kind of stuff, the accountant side, the, you know, running a profit and loss sheet, all those kind of things, then I would probably recommend that that's the route that you take initially if you want to do that. Yeah, well, also, what's the, um, kind of, you mentioned you've had people that work for yourselves and then have gone off to create these cool companies themselves. Is there a theme in them? The, the ones that kind of seem to do it right is there what skills have they got that take them forward to allow them to create their own for majority look we always hired on personality we always hired these people that had a glint in their eye that wanted to do something you know you could just see they just wanted to do well and you know that still follows suit and i think that you know it's hard to keep those individuals you know sort of grounded because they always want to be doing the next thing so i think that you know, if you are one of those individuals and that you want to do something, you absorb this information, but you always have an end goal. And I think that, you know, that we've always looked for those. They're, sometimes they're very hard to manage, by the way. You right. know, they're a nightmare <laughs> to manage because they're always... But, but it, I think... As that, it is so aspirational. They, they are, but they one. make the brand exciting as well. You yeah. know, so it's those kind of individuals that, you know, if you've got an idea, you know, we're a brand that loves to hear those kind of ideas and things like that. And we get behind it. And certainly, you know, we've, you know, a lot of the people that have come and left us, we've still been involved and helped them to try and do that. And I still think we are a brand that likes to do that. So if people want to come on board and they have a career in mind, then Gymbox is quite a nice place to go because we help to try and push those people and help them get into those kind of things. Yeah. And it's interesting when you mentioned about the reality aspect of Instagram and kind of the, I guess, more PTs might use that platform do you kind of feel a responsibility in any way at gym books for the clients that you come in that might be a part of that world and you know I've a conversation I have with my mates a lot it's kind of body dysmorphia in a lot of men and what we see on tv is everyone even the joke I made at the start everyone's got a six-pack though this pt kind of uh, or reality tv world that we're in and instagram do you have kind of a responsibility in that way do you feel like to look after some of your clients their well-being hundred percent. Yeah. I think, look, the attitude of the marketing that originally came from Gymbox was it was never about how you looked. 
it was always about an attitude. So the marketing was always, you'll never see gym box out, you know, in terms of, you know, showing I lost this amount of weight coming here or I did this or, you know, body beautiful everywhere. It was always about the fun and the attitude that you bring towards gym box. Oh, sorry, you, you bring towards your exercise. So, so we've always been very, very conscious of that. You know, it's not, there's a part of me as well as is, is things have changed as well. You know, I think, you know, like the 70s was the rise of like bodybuilding, people flexing. And, you know, there, now you've got the Instagram channels where everyone wants to take the top off. But I think it's changing a lot now. I think you know people are becoming a lot more focused on their holistic exercise. It's not just purely about working out so you look good for an Instagram shot. I think there's a lot of people now doing it because, look, they're looking at, you know, how do they perform better at their whatever they want to do, you know, whether they're going canoeing, hiking, things like that. You know, they're looking at things like immunity. You know, you've got people now going off into Hampstead Heath pools and doing cold water swimming to build their immunity. You know, you're getting people now that are doing runs and just doing nasal breathing because wow. you know, it improves. So I think there's a hopefully it's a nice shift towards this overall holistic approach to fitness, not purely about one about throwing heavy weights above your head and becoming just this Instagram looking model. And I think that's a nice thing. And we get behind that. And I think that. If you're asking me, the push towards gym boxes, how do you get involved in all of those kind of experiences? So, yes, the gym and working out is one experience, but how can you get involved in all these other different experiences and create these little clubs, etc., rather than it just being purely about having a six-pack? And on kind of hearing your journey, because everything you've said so far, it, it seems like you knew what you wanted to do and, and you got there. What would you say would be the biggest kind of, challenge or failure if you want to look at it in that sense that you have had with gym box and, and the company or biggest struggle that you had to overcome um initially i think if you asked richard so richard was he you know he right at the beginning because obviously i was from the management side and he's obviously he was from the you know creating the brand and working with landlords i think initially initially was getting landlords probably to understand the brand and taking a risk on the brand because it was a very unique irreverent brand you know, and sometimes that scares the hell out of these landlords because, um, you know, you, all of a sudden you've got this brand that is, you know, sort of, you know, doing all these crazy wacky classes and things like that. And do they want to bring that to their real estate? So that was quite a challenge initially. It's a lot easier now because you've built the brand and people understand it. So Interesting. It's easy. I thought you just paid for the space. No, no. I think I know they had like a moral say on what goes on in a sense. So a lot of times is maybe there's sort of, you know, there's a big building going up and uh, there's a lot of different gym brands applying and, it, you know, to go into maybe that basement space. And a lot of landlords look at certain things about the right brands that they want that uh, fits that particular area. So you can imagine right at the beginning, which Gym Gymbox was an unknown entity and you're trying to sell this brand, maybe that scared a lot of landlords initially. I think we probably came into a little bit of that. Not so much now, because I think the industry's changed a lot. And I think that now they look at way Gymbox can bring an audience to that particular area. That was a big challenge, you know. And I think that the other challenge that I would say now is, is you've got to be different because competition's never been so high. You've had the rise of all these smaller little, you know, sort of clubs that specialise in one element rather than gym, which tries to specialise in lots. So, you know, that's a challenge is making sure that the brand is always remains unique and different as it originally did. And, um, you know, and it speaks differently to everyone else. Otherwise, uh, you're going to get lost. So I think that's another challenge that's harder now than it certainly was 16 years ago. Okay. And then let's do the flip of that, your proudest moment since founding Gymbox. Well, you know, the, I mean, the proudest probably moment was originally probably getting the first gym off the ground. I think it has to be because... I just remember when when we sat down and sort of Richard sort of gave a blueprint of what his idea was going to be. 
it's very easy to take that because if you looked at the original idea, you'd probably, you know, actually, we probably even couldn't talk about it now because you just couldn't get away with it. Yeah, when what you, were the classes in the original idea? Oh, wait, I mean, the, original, the drag queen class. Ever oh, there was everything. Off? Oh, we, we had, I mean, look, when you launch a brand, you have to say, how do you shout loud that then everyone's talking about you? So we created classes. Uh, oh, my gosh. We created classes from... Jewish wedding classes where you carry people around on their shoulders, boob aerobics, which was about sweat, not surgery classes created <laughs> for that. We've, uh, we, you know, we had classes where, um, you got electrocuted if you didn't work hard enough. Um, I mean, we went, I mean, we I can kind of understand why they didn't want to give you the space. We, but this is, this is probably why I think we feel most proud about that first one, because from, the moment we launched, because we created all of these amazing concepts. Now, look, the workouts were really, really good. I mean, you know, you, you attach, you know, the electrical uh, class was hysterical, um, you know. But we had more advertising than the rest of the fitness industry in that first year just by what we came up with. So when people talked about Gymbox after that first club, they always thought that we were a massive brand because they'd read so much about it. And because of what we did, it could have gone one or two ways. People, like I say, could have gone, this company's a joke. But it didn't. It just showed that everyone was calling out for something different. And Holborn became very busy very, very quickly and established the brand really, really quickly. And why I say I'm proud is because when you look at what the original concept was put down and what we delivered, it can easily fall apart at that point. But I think what we actually delivered from what actually was written in the original sort of business idea was spot on. And I think that it really resonated with that London crowd. So I think that's probably what we're most proud of, you know, and then you, there's loads of other things in terms of rolling out. Cause I think you get to that stage now, do you stay at one or do you roll it out right. and return to roll out? But I think that was probably the most proud, I think. And that's interesting about that. Cause you can take that to any field, starting your brand off with a bang of some sort to get known yeah. an instant impact. Yeah. And the other sort of takeaway as well is, which you see a lot of brands doing is don't just stay still. I mean, that's very easy. If you look at Jim Box one, um, now compared to when we opened it's a very different animal and i think the we always know the fitness industry changes so so quickly and you have to be you know you have to move and you have to be mobile move very very quickly with trends and everything else like that so we always started off with day one to say no we are going to put a certain percentage of our revenue back into what we call you know changing those clubs and making them different and we have consistently done that every single year so the brand now even 17 years on it still remained relevant and that's because we've constantly changed the brand and sort of redeveloped the brand and made sure that it's still cutting edge and ahead of the curve and i think that's really really important don't launch a brand now and think in five years time it's going to be that exact concept will remain the same you have to constantly constantly be challenging yourself and making things different and staying ahead of the curve yeah and on that note David Cooper, co-founder of Gymbox. Thank you very much for your time, mate. No Appreciate that. Many thanks. And last, favourite boxer? Oh, my favourite boxer, I think I will probably say Marvin Hagler. Oh, wow. Okay. Beast. There you go. Last one, mate. Cheers, buddy. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And of course, follow our social media channels at Westfield London and at Westfield Stratford City.
On the next episode, we are going to be speaking to Bex from Bexfus, the all-natural vegan breakfast company uh, that she started in 2015. Also, we're going to be talking to Mahek Kansal, founder and owner of Binda's Eatery. Thank you.